Mike. Hey, man. Thanks for so much for calling in. Oh, dude, thank you for uh, for for giving a damn. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> hey, I got to uh, start off by saying hello from a, a a mutual friend that we have in common. A guy that God, I used to play little league with. His dad was my little league coach, and we worked in radio together. And that's actually where you met him is radio from Area One Hundred Eight, Patrick Riesgo. What? No way, dude. Dude, P Rock, that's my boy, dude. P Rock and I played Little League together, man. That's so crazy, man. I'm gonna shoot him a text when you and I get off the uh, get done. That's crazy, really. Yeah, it's funny because he posted on Instagram something about your song plan, and I was like, he's like my boys, and I'm like, do you really know these guys? Because I'm getting ready to talk to him, and he's like, oh yeah, dude. He gave me a job, man. He gave me my first my my the first job I had in radio was Patrick was interviewed me and hired me. That's what I asked him. I was like, wait, did you actually hire him or did you inherit him? He's like, no, 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 I hired him. Yeah, dude, he's a great guy. I love that dude. I don't see him nearly enough because I'm split in time between Vegas and New York. Um, but I don't. Is he, I'm not even sure if he's still in Vegas or did he go back to SoCal. You know, he's actually back in Vegas right now. Oh, dude, that's awesome, man. All right, I'll, I'll, I'm here for, in town for another week or so, so I'll, I'll be sure to reach out. So I'm curious, did you work anywhere else in radio, and was that kind of just to get into radio to kind of push the music along and kind of get behind the machine a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely trying to be a sly dog about it, you know, all the time. But that was my only radio gig, and I was there for about two years. Just doing um, street team? Yeah, just, like, setting up the events, having fun, you know, like, getting out uh, getting out there and being social and talking to people about the band, my band, and also, of course, the radio station, too. <laughs> I'm surprised you being a singer, you didn't have any uh, aspirations to get behind the mic yourself and, and be a DJ and, or anything like that? You know, it's funny. They would always, dude, you, 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 do you want to, like, be on air? And, and I just felt like, I don't know if that would have been, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's, on, he's a DJ and he's a singer in a band. I didn't know which one would have less legitimacy because of the other one. You know what I mean? I hear you. So funny that you say that though, Mike, because like, I always think like, well, if you know, the day comes when I have to stop touring and performing, maybe I can go do, you know, go get a, a radio show somewhere. And that would be a lot of fun. Cause I, I love going on the radio and doing interviews and talking with you guys. You know, it's like, I love coming in the studio and sitting there and chopping it up. It's like, it's such a, ma- a magical thing. You know, I was going to point out two examples for you. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big hip hop guy, but I'm pretty sure it was Ludacris did the same thing. Was you know rapper and worked at a, a New York radio station, was handing out his mixtapes and his demos and stuff. And right, then, right. Uh, the band Thirty Six Crazy Fist, Brock Lindau, their singer for like two years. Really? Like the band took some time off. The band kind of went on hiatus, and for like two years, he did like an afternoon drive rock show in uh, Alaska, where they're Alaska. From. No, so that's pretty rad, man. There could be a future there in the end, but hopefully not. Hopefully you're too busy on tour and on the road and pumping out otherwise albums. And, of course, we got to get into the new album, Sleeping Lions. And I love the the kind of mission statement behind that title. And go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's very the, the title itself is very indicative of, you know, where we're at. Where, we, where we're at personally and professionally, you know, we've, we've kind of been hibernating in a sense. We haven't released any new material in a, in a couple of years. You know, it was a it was a friggin' spiritual like war zone out there for us at times. You know, and like, and we we we, we took some big hits and we, we we crawled back into our little cave. You know, here in the neon desert and licked our wounds. We're healed and strong again, stronger than we've ever been, and we're ready to get back out on the Pride Lands. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it was like 
the the title track this is the first album we released that has a title track you know and the song itself we we were able to write we were so fortunate to co-write it with jonathan davis which is like he's like mufasa basically of, of, <laughs> of, of hard rock and metal you know and uh um, you know, one day my, you know, Tony, our bass player, is this, this incredibly talented multi-instrumentalist, and he, he actually started the riff on guitar, and we were listening to the playback and at Bob Marlette's studio, the, our producer, and and you know, my, we were just jumping around being silly, and my brother was like, you know, don't wake sleeping lions, man, you don't want to wake sleeping lions, and it just became like the mantra of the song and then the, the album itself, and it, it's it feels it's very empowering, man. We feel really, really, really uh really positive right now i love it I, I feel like it's coming through in the music and the attitude I, I forgot to mention too i think i met you at a seven dust concert in la in downtown la yeah dude we were at uh what was that Blas- uh, belasco theater belasco? yes yes yeah we, we were all there <laughs> man that's so weird because that was the night when we ran into bob marlette uh, the, you know, Mr. Super Producer, legendary guy, done Seether, done uh, uh, Shine Down. You know, done like you look at his discography, it's like he pretty much is one of the architects of modern hard rock. You know, and um, we we've been taking a bunch of different phone calls and meetings with with several producers, and I we actually ran into Bob Marlette at that show, and he said to me, pulled me aside, and we we're out in the, in the lobby, and he's like, you know. Um, I really want to uh, just let you know that um, I'm ready to make an album that's uh, that's different from the same rock albums that I've been doing for the past two decades. You know, and, I, and, I, and he said, I feel like otherwise is the the band and the, the the artist that I can do that with do something a little different. And it really that really resonated, you know, resonated with me because I thought finally there's somebody who on the creative side of things who is it feels how my brother and I have always felt, you know, um, and that, that meeting at that show that you were at too was pretty much what solidified our decision to work with Paul Tarlet, man. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, pretty righteous. Small, small world. I love having the singer on because then I can kind of get like a little behind the music, a little intro to a few tunes. So I wanted to throw some at you and kind of, you know, talk where you're coming from lyrically on them. And uh, absolutely got to start with the uh, album opener, Angry Heart. Yeah, you know, man, uh, Angry Heart, our first single, the album opener. I was on a flight from New York to L.A. to continue working on the record. And, uh, you know, my brother and I are big MMA fans. And I was watching an interview on flight by the female bantamweight champion, Chris Cyborg. She said, she's speaking in Portuguese and they translated it. You know, there's, there's subtitles at the bottom. And she said, I'm a really good person outside of the ring. I don't know why I fight with such an angry heart. I got chills when I said that. And I connected with that. My brother and I, my, our dad, are, we're always trying to fight the good fight. And we get on stage and, and it's like a battle for us to win over fans and get people to hear our message. And I just completely related with what she was saying because she also, you know, for a long time didn't get her due. She's such an amazing fighter and athlete. She didn't get her due. We're struggling and again, fighting the good fight and trying to get, you know, people to turn their ears and, and listen to what we have to say, you know, and probably one of the heavier tracks on the album. We wanted to come out swinging, you know, and that was our, our, our lead jab, so to speak. <laughs> probably being a radio guy, I like the title, Dead in the Air. Head in the air. I'm sorry. Last few albums, I kind of hogged up the uh, the ex girlfriend face on the record. Uh, this time, my baby brother got a chance to uh, kind of uh, exorcise some heartbreak demons, and that's basically about that. It's one of my favorite tunes on the record. It's a bit left of center. It's still a big rock tune, but it has it has a really cool mood and vibe to it. And even our songs that on the surface are 
can maybe be described as sad. You know, we try to infuse a little bit of hope and like that idea that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and that's another song about empowering yourself and taking back, you know, that, that piece of you that, that maybe you gave to somebody that didn't deserve it. How about Nothing to Me? Oh, man, yeah, Nothing to Me. That's our, our attempt at like a, a hard alternative tune, I guess, in a sense. In regards to that song, I was thinking about things aren't as bad as everybody makes them out to be. You know, a lot of times what I've found in my experience of being on the road and meeting so many people and, and, and hearing so many different stories, you know, things aren't always as bad as what we perceive them to be. It's kind of like a, a middle finger to people who make a big deal out of nothing, who make mountains out of molehills. I wanted to craft the lyrics to where they could be applied to anybody, you know, anybody in your life. Anybody you know, I know a lot of people like that in my life, and and some of them are very close to me, and I love them dearly, and it's frustrating when you're like, dude, things aren't that bad. It could be so much worse. Life is good. Think about the good, and I have to try and tell myself that on a daily basis, and I, I'm getting better at it, and, you know, especially with the birth of my two boys, I've realized what is really important, what is it, you know, and that that song is kind of like a, I don't know what, what's, what, what the word would be, like a... I, yeah, there's a middle finger to people who make mountains out of molehills, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, I, I think that's great, and that's an epidemic. I think social media is really bringing that out. Everyone makes it like a, a 15 out of something that should be a 3 on the Richter oh, scale. Oh, dude, absolutely, man. Dude, I'm glad you, you're on the same page <laughs> as me with that, dude. It's so annoying. Hey, let me uh, pick your, your brain about a couple different things, and, and you being the Vegas boy. Are you excited for the Las Vegas Golden Knights? Oh, man, dude, I can't wait for the hockey team to get here, man. You know, that is going to be a huge boost for this city. I mean, this, you know, we've been all over the world, and there's no place else like it on the planet, you know, and I'm really excited. I don't know, Mike, it's probably, have you ever been to a live NHL, NHL game? Oh, yeah, I'm a big Anaheim Ducks fan. Oh, dude, it's like, I mean, I've been to all, all sports across the board, and, you know, if you're sitting at, right against the glass, it's probably one of the most exciting live athletic experiences is, is an NHL game. And I, I can't wait for, for the Golden Knights to, to pop up here. Uh, but I, I can say I don't know if I, I'm, I'm quite on the same page with the Raiders, man. You know, I... Uh, I, I love football. I used to play football. I'm, you know, I've got it on right now, like, you know, in, in the background here while we're, ch- we're chatting. But the neighborhoods that I grew up in, the schools I went to, the dudes wearing the Raider jackets weren't exactly the guys that you wanted to be around. They were the guys who were pulling guns on us. They were the guys who were jumping us. I don't know, man. I, I just hope that we can somehow get a handle on on that aspect, um, you know, of the Raider Nation. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question. You took the words right out of my mouth, man. So not looking forward to the Raiders. Very wary. I'm, I'm having a bit of trepidation as far as the the fan base. You know, the the business, the influx of of tourism, and you know, making Vegas a legitimate a legitimate metropolitan city is 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 great. But I'm, I'm I'm just worried about those. I'm worried about the fans, man. You know, cautious optimism. I think is what we were looking for. Mm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, a lot of rockers now living in Vegas. I mean, you were kind of born and raised there, but it feels like there's you know like Vinnie Paul's a house out there now, and like a bunch of uh, rockers living in Vegas. Oh yeah, yeah, they're all here now. Corey, Corey Taylor has a house. Vinnie Paul was actually 
um, at our, our pre-release party on, on Friday at the Hard Rock Hotel. Uh, Chris Kale from Five Finger Death Punch was there as well. He, he, he lives here as well as the, the rest of the guys in Death Punch. The guys from, uh, from Smash Mouth nice. uh, live here as well. I believe there's a couple of dudes from Third Eye Blind who live here. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's, it's a great town. And obviously, you know, our, our buddies in Imagine Dragons and then the, the guys in the Killers are from here, you know. A really wild melting pot and you're not too far you're right down the desert road you know yeah. so dude you know next time we have a show a hometown show man you gotta come out i will and come out and hang out with pat and hey i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i want to get your opinion on a couple couple last things here before we wrap Absolutely. up over this past summer i went and checked out metallica on the big stadium tour and they played the rose bowl and it, it was incredible and it kind of made me kind of re-fall in love with metallica again i went through that whole phase you know they cut their hair uh, screw them load reload all that it was bitter for a long time, but now after seeing them live and this new album I'm liking, I'm, I've kind of re-fallen in love with them and kind of getting everyone's kind of their magical Metallica moment. Like, how did you discover and fall in love with Metallica yourself? I remember exactly the moment. Spending the night at a, at a friend's house, I was, I was a young young boy, whenever, I know it must have been what, like nine or ten and the black album had just come out i didn't know much about their previous stuff you know i was i guess i was too young maybe or too sheltered i don't know (laughs) but he plays this song it's enter sandman it like terrified me and like excited me all at the same time dude and i was like that was the moment where i i can honestly say like i fell in love aggressive rock and roll you know i saw metallica one year at the la coliseum and they played with like kid rock and uh corn and i want to say system of a down it was incredible dude and when they when they went on we've got seats like center stage but like all the way in the back across the coliseum right pretty much like eye level with the stage i don't even remember what song it was Ugh, what's the name of that song uh, what is that song called Mike? fade to black yes yes okay and they they go into that song the place went berserk bro like people started lighting fires in the stands and like throwing flaming garbage it was like it was like a prison riot scene but but with a hundred thousand people it was i'm getting chills right now thinking about it it was one of the most intense concert experiences i've, I've ever had and I love it. I love it. One more thing I want to get your opinion on, and, and then I'll, I'll let you go here. But um, talking Metallica and kind of the evolution, you know, like we all had the the big four of metal, right? Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax, right? Right, right. So that was a big thing a couple of years ago, and it got me to thinking like, okay, so that's kind of the 80s. That's the thrash metal movement. We got to look towards the next generation and, and the next one. So I've come up mm-hmm. with... Uh, I actually got some help from another Las Vegas dude um, from Adelita's Way, Rick DeJesus, and I kind of oh, came yeah, up with yeah. this. Oh, yeah, yeah, my buddy Rick. All right, so here's what I've come up with. The Flannel Five. <laughs> I like this. So we're talking Nirvana, Pearl Jam, uh-huh. Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Your favorite dude, and why? Those those five. Let's see. You said, did you say, did you say, you said FTP, right? Yep. Man, for me, out of those five, it's a it's a toss up between. And please forgive me for not having a, a direct answer, but it's it's a toss up between Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots because, to me, those two bands are probably what we try to uh, emulate the most is because they were so dynamic. You know, they had they had soft melodic songs they had in your face aggressive rockers you know the arc between those two was a bit 
more pronounced in Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam than, say, in Soundgarden or, or Nirvana or... Uh, what was the other one? I'm sorry. Alice in Chains. Bands who I, you know, grew up and cut my teeth on. Rage Against the Machine is another one, right? Yeah. Like, you know, but for me, I, I love how, again, how dynamic, you know, Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots are. I don't know if you ever had the opportunity to catch either of those bands. I was fortunate enough to see them you know, it, it, with their original lineups, and yeah. it, it, it's it, it, they take you on a journey. You know, it's like you go. It, there's ups and downs, and you know, through their their catalog, and that's what I love. But dude, any one of those bands, man, come on! Like, <laughs> I'm I'm so sad about what happened with with Chris. You know, yeah. and, then, and then even Chester. You know, kind of harkening back to what we were, we were speaking about a bit earlier. It's like you know, you got you, you can't lose faith in yourself. You can't lose hope, and because once you lose hope. You've lost pretty much everything. It doesn't matter how much money, how much fame, how much power you have. If you've lost hope and faith in yourself, well, you you have nothing. Our message in all of our music across our entire entire catalog is to not lose faith in yourself. You know that's that's what we hope people who listen to otherwise at least take away from it, whether they like us or not. Well, dude, I appreciate the time so much today. It's so much fun talking to you. Yeah, Mike. Thank you, brother. Later.